Well, good morning uh, to all of you who are joining us online today. Uh, as uh, Emma mentioned, we're, we're excited to have uh, the stage uh, decorated for Christmas. Uh, a few of us were, were here yesterday and were able to, uh, uh, to get that done. We, ha- we had a, a good time doing that. And uh, just thinking about Christmas, uh, just a reminder that our Christmas Eve service uh, will take place, of course, on December 24th at 5 p.m. Uh, stay tuned, you know, uh, at, at this point, our larger group gatherings are happening uh, online only in the virtual world. So uh, stay tuned. Of course, we'll keep you updated as to whether, whether or not that service would happen to be in person or it will be uh, online live stream just like uh, this one is. Again, some of you probably have uh, already done some of your decorating. Maybe some of you might be doing some of it uh, this weekend. I know sometimes for me, uh, decorating can be challenging. Uh, I don't know if you've ever reached into one of those Christmas totes and pulled out the lights and felt the frustration of this guy where it's just like, how are these uh, things somehow going to untangle and get on the gutter or get on the tree or whatever? And I think that uh, that picture is also a little bit of a metaphor about what we're experiencing in life right now, right? Life is a bit tangled. Life's a bit messy. Life's a bit difficult to figure out. And we're walking through that. This, in many ways, is, is a bit of a sad day for us at Calvary. Uh, we, we, just like you, would long, uh, like many of you, would long to be here in, in person with, with having a, a crowd in the pews. And uh, it was only a few weeks ago that, that, that the elders met to, uh, to set a couple of metrics that as we tracked uh, the coronavirus uh, case data, we set a couple of metrics that would, would be things that would uh, cause us uh, to move to an online-only environment. It wasn't what we uh, hoped for, but it was what we felt it was prudent to do. And uh, though there might be a lot of things that you think are, were our motivation, our, our primary motivation was to, to, to balance this desire to be together with also an understanding that, that we did have a calling uh, to be good and responsible citizens, that we also did have a calling to consider things like public health, to consider things like the stress that, it may, that, the, that, the, that the pandemic might be putting on individuals involved in healthcare as well as healthcare systems. But again, we, we remain uh, firm and solid in our commitment to God as his people on mission for him. And we know that whether we're gathered in person or whether we're gathered online, that that can't be stopped. And we thank you so much for your continued prayer support. We know that, 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 that uh, regardless of how you may feel about the, this decision, it's, it's difficult and it's painful for all of us to be walking through this time. And we ask that you uh, would continue to partner with us in prayer and support, and uh, we certainly value that as well. Of course, uh, in the month of December, we, we typically take some time. Uh, I, I've been in the, in the Gospel of John uh, for the last several, several months, actually. Uh, we're going to take a, a pause from that. We're going to be focusing uh, on a bit of a, a different themes throughout the month of December. And uh, I shared with you last week that the, the title of the series that we're headed into, beginning today, is called God in Our Midst. Uh, you could even call it something like God in our mess, because again, uh, life, although we maybe feel that even more acutely this year, that life is messy, it's turbulent, it's, it's chaotic, it doesn't make a lot of sense, that's really, that's really the human existence. <laughs> From the time that sin entered into the world through the first human beings, life has been messy, life has been difficult, life has been chaotic, and praise God, we have a God who stepped into that mess, 
who step into our midst. So we're going to be taking a look at some of those traditional themes of of Advent that oftentimes we do uh, in the church in December. And that thing that we're going to be looking at today is that in the midst of our despair, in the midst of maybe a time where it feels particularly gloomy, where maybe you're battling discouragement or maybe even struggling with some depression, in the midst of of sadness, in the midst of a, a time when it's really dark, I believe that we, because of the fact that God is in our midst, we can have hope. We can have hope. We are a people who are full of hope, in fact, regardless of what those circumstances might be. In fact, if we build hope on, our, on, our, on the externals, on the circumstances, then our hope is always going to be waxing and waning. But if we build our hope in God and in God alone, then that will be a life that's able to navigate through those difficult times. God stepped into our mess. He stepped into our midst so that we could have hope when life gets turbulent, when life gets difficult. The psalmists recognized that many times. Uh, and the writers of the, of the psalm were very authentic and, and transparent, and, and their heart was just poured out to God as they wrote these songs of worship, these songs of, of prayer. And one of those is found in Psalm 42, where the psalmist says, Why, I ask myself, why are you so depressed? Why are you so upset inside? And then he, again, some more self-talk. He tells himself, hope in God. Why do I feel this way? What, you know, I, I got to remind myself, and we have to time, oftentimes have to remind ourselves, put our hope in God. When we're feeling those things like he was feeling when he wrote that, those feelings of depression, those feelings of darkness, those feelings of gloom, being so upset inside, hope in God. Another, in another psalm, in Psalm 62, excuse me, the psalmist says, my soul waits quietly before God. He is my only hope. He is my only hope. The psalmist goes on in that same psalm in in verse 6 to say that God alone is his rock and his salvation. God is his stronghold. I will not be shaken. When we're on that cornerstone, when we put our hope in God, we will not be shaken. Even though everything around us is shaky, everything is spinning, everything is rough, everything is messy, everything is turbulent, we will not be shaken can we really have that hope? Is this just like stupid pastor speak right now? I got to say it because it's what, you know, it's the, is it just some, some you know, kind of like a cliche, some platitudes, some Christian platitudes that really don't mean anything? I don't think so. I think that the psalmist is right. And when we're feeling like this, we need to remind ourselves to hope in God that he is our only hope. And I'd like to just build a little bit of case as to why you can put your hope in God, regardless of your circumstances. But as we think of how messy life is right now, we can, like that psalmist says, trust God as our only hope. We can put our hope in God. And why can we do that? The first reason that I would suggest is because he is. Because God is. God exists. God is real. In Jeremiah chapter 10, the prophet is is writing to Israel, and he's contrasting God with the idols of the nations that are around them. In fact, in verse verse 5 of Jeremiah 10, he compares those idols to scarecrows in a cucumber patch. That's how he describes them. That's how worthless they are, he said. 
In, in verse 8, in fact, he says, the nations that trust in them, this is what the prophet actually says about them. He says, the nations that trust in those idols are stupid and, worthless, stupid and foolish because they are instructed by worthless idols that are simply made of wood. These, these scarecrows in a cucumber patch. But Yahweh, he says, he is the true God. He is the living God and the eternal king. He goes on later in that, in that uh, same passage, in that same book, down in, ver uh, in verse 16 of that same chapter. He says, the God of Israel, unlike those worthless idols, unlike those scarecrows in a cucumber patch, our God, the God of Israel, is no idol. He is. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel, his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's armies is here. Or, I'm sorry, is his name, and he is here. God is. God exists. If God isn't, then we really don't have any hope. Then our life is just up to the random, you know, random, randomness of, of circumstances. There's nothing to trust in except whatever you would maybe want to call fate or luck or good fortune or bad fortune, something like that. If God isn't, then we really are people who have no hope. But God is. He is no idol. He does exist. And he is here. Not only is God, does God exist, but he is here. That's the message. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of the incarnation, is that God steps into our human reality. He steps into the mess. He steps into our midst. The fact, in fact, the, the, the angel uh, said in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, these very words, behold, the virgin, speaking of, of Mary, who would be the, earth, the, the mother of Jesus, said the, the virgin sh shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The story of Christmas is that God has stepped in to be with us. Jesus as, as, as in coming as the son is God incarnate, God in the flesh. We can say that because the writer of Hebrews remind us that, reminds us that the son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. When, when, when Jesus appeared on earth, it was God in our midst. It was God on earth. It was God in the flesh. Philippians 2, one of the, one of the earliest hymns of the first followers of Jesus and, and a great, has great um, uh, theological richness in it as well reminds us of this very reality about what's happening in the incarnation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 say, says this, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, he is God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself. By assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, he, God, is here in the flesh. Colossians 1.15 reminds us that, that Jesus is, is the visible image of the invisible God. One translation, one English translation puts it this way. Christ is as God is. God is here. He has stepped in. He didn't ignore our, 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 our tumult. He didn't shy away from getting involved with the mess, but instead he stepped into it. He is here. God is here. God with us. And because God is with us, we 
can have hope. Because not only is God here meaning like he's present, but I would also suggest God is here means he's active, he's involved, he's engaged. He's not passive, he's not disconnected, but he is here and he's connected with us. That's why Peter says that we can throw all our worry on to God because he cares for us. God is here because he cares for us, and as he's here, he's involved with our lives. In fact, Paul says to the Corinthian believers in the second letter that he wrote to them, the very first chapter in the third verse, he refers to God as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God comforts us, Paul says to those Corinthian believers and says to us. God comforts us so that we then can provide comfort to others from the comfort that we ourselves first received from him. It all begins with him. We have hope because God is. He exists. Because we have hope because God is here. He has come in, in, in the Son. He has come. God in the flesh. Christ is the exact representa- representation of, of the being of, of, of God's being. He is the visible image of the invisible God. And he's here and he cares and he cares about my problems and he cares about my struggles and he cares about our, the things that are going on in all of our lives. He is engaged with us. God is here. As God is and he is here, scripture also reminds us that we have hope because when we think about the nature of God, we recognize that he is love. When God comes, he is bringing his loving presence to the earth. In fact, John, in his letter to the Christians in 1 John 4, 8, puts it very succinctly, only uses three words to tell us this, this great truth about the identity of God. He says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. And of course, one of the most uh, well-known and quoted verses in all of scripture is John 3.16. And there he writes, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 goes on to say that God didn't send his son into the world, but to condemn the world. But instead, he sent sent his son into the world so that the world could be saved through him. God is coming with a loving purpose for his humanity. We are created in his image. He cares about us. He sees our condition. He sees our brokenness. He sees how we're hurting. He sees our sin, and he doesn't shy away from it, but instead he provides his son. He steps into it to provide an answer for it. Why? Because he is love. Because he is love, he sent his son. Because he is love, he doesn't come to condemn, condemn, condemn the world, but to save the world. Paul writes to one of his protégés, Titus, and comments on this very loving action that culminated in the, in the gift of the Son of God by saying this in, in Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. It says, but when the kindness and love of God, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. I have hope, regardless of what is going on in my life, because God is, he is here, and and, and as he comes to engage with us, he brings love. He brings 
grace. He brings mercy. He brings salvation. That gives me hope. I have meaning. I have purpose. I can actually have a new identity because he is love. And because he is love, God is my savior. The word uh, savior is actually uh, really wrapped up in the, again in the name of, of, of Jesus. Jesus is the, the, uh, kind of the English version of the Greek word Iesus, and Iesus is the Greek version of, of a Hebrew word Yeshua, which is a variant of the word Joshua, Hebrew word Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So right there in the name of Jesus himself, we have this truth that the Lord saves, that he came to save us. He came to bring us salvation. That's exactly what Paul was writing to Titus about, that because of the kindness and love of God, we have salvation in Christ Jesus and salvation in him alone. And not only do I recognize that that, that salvation is given to, me, given to me by God's grace, by his work, by the, by the sacrificial death of, of Christ on the cross, we know that God, that scripture says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because Christ died for us, God gives us this offer of salvation. He allows the death of his son to satisfy the penalty of sin, which is death. And so Jesus endures the death that would be rightly mine. And, be, and since he endured it for me, I don't have to endure it on my own. And so he is my savior. And I can trust in that. I can have hope in that because that salvation of mine, it's guaranteed. I can have an uh, assurance. I can have the security of my salvation because just as Paul wrote to the Roman believers to help them to understand how, how, how much assurance they could have in this salvation they possessed in Christ Jesus, he says this, yes, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor ruling spirits, nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nor anything else in the whole world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. There's nothing that can happen that can separate us from the salvation that we receive from God in the free gift that he provides to us through the death of his son. He steps into the, the mess of our lives. He steps in to this sinful, broken world. And by the death of his son, he gives us this offer of life, abundant life, eternal life. And nothing can change that. Whatever we go through, however messy life might get, whether we have a great job or we've lost it, whether our health is, is fantastic or it's not too good, whether we're walking through good times or bad times, whether our checking account is full or it's depleted, none of that matters. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus your Lord. Your salvation is permanent and secure because it is held by God himself. And so that causes us to be people again of hope. He is our savior. He is our savior. That verse that I read earlier from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I only actually read like, like the first phrase of that verse. If you remember, it said the Son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say he, that, that he is sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he, that is Jesus, had provided purification for sins, that is, he 
did that work that would allow him to be our savior. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We have hope because God is. He is here. He's active and involved with us. He cares because he is love. Because he is love, he comes to save us, not condemn us. And that salvation is secure and permanent as we have placed our faith in the one who can hold us firm in his hand. And last, we have hope because God is king. He is the sovereign one. He is the one in control. I know that at times it can feel like things are just absolutely chaotic. They're out of control. They make no sense. You're not sure what to do with all of that. But we have hope because God is king, has always been king, is king today, and will always be king. And in fact, one of the aspects of the uh, of the person of Jesus is we have this trust that he is our coming king. That Jesus is the one who one day will return for his people. And that again gives us hope. Paul wrote to the Christians living in Thessalonica. And he said to them in chapter 4 of that letter that he wrote to them, he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, about those believers who had already passed on so that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. We don't want you to be people who have no hope. And so he goes on in the, in the, as that chapter continues down in verse, uh, if we pick it up like in verse 16, he says to those believers, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And he finishes this little section by saying, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Those words bring great encouragement because they remind us that this life is not the end. That yes, even though, it, 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 even though we have the presence of God with us and he cares for us and he brings us comfort and clarity and he helps us to go through these difficult circumstances, that there will be a day when sin will be no more. There will be a day when death will be no more, when sickness will be no more, when problems of any kind will not exist because it will be in that time when we will spend eternity with God in this place of complete and absolute divine perfection. He is our coming king. Paul wrote to a, a different protege. I, I talked about him writing to his protege Titus earlier. And when he wrote to a different one, Timothy, in the first letter he wrote to, that, to Timothy, he said this, in the presence of God, who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command, Timothy, without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. 
Sometimes these very simple truths, they're a challenge to really hold true in our heart. To really embrace them at, at a level that actually changes the way we live. Am I really someone who can live genuinely, legitimately, authentically with hope? Do I really believe that he is? Do I really believe that it was God in that stable, that he did step in, that he is here, that he came into our human reality, that he broke through the spatio-temporal divide and brought the divine existence into it? in the person of his son. Do I really believe that? Do I, does that make a difference in my life? Do I re- really believe that out of his love that I have a salvation that is secure and permanent? And again, that it changes the way that I go through difficult times. Can I trust that he is king? I don't know about you, but there are times when I find that challenging. That's what faith is all about. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we're not seeing. It takes an active engagement of faith in our lives for hope to be really lived out. Where is your hope today? I would suggest to you that if it's in anything other than one person, God himself, then it's misplaced hope. Having hope in God doesn't mean that everything will be easy, everything will be fine, that there won't be issues and problems and struggles and tragedy and death. Those things will continue to be part of our human reality because sin is part of it. And in this broken world, all of those things will exist. But in the midst of it, In the midst of that despair, in the midst of that gloom, in the midst of times which may be incredibly dark, God offers hope. Can you take that faith step to believe in him, to trust in him, so that that hope cannot just be some myth, some fantasy, but it can be real in your life? Again, this isn't just pastor speak here. This is something that I and we in this faith community genuinely believe that Jesus is our only hope. And in him, there is meaning, there is purpose, there is life, and there is future. If you're struggling today, it's all right. Probably a lot of us are struggling with life right now. But instead of just bemoaning the struggle, 
I'd encourage you, I'd invite you, and maybe even challenge you to take that faith step today, to trust in God. Maybe you need to talk to one of our staff persons here about what that would look like. As we many times say during our stream, there, there, are, there are links that we provide uh, that, that are dropping into the, to the chat feature wherever you might be viewing uh, this service right now. And if you click on one of those, uh, it'll take you out into a conversation uh, with one of Calvary staff persons. And we can talk to you about that hope that can be found in Christ Jesus and in him alone. And certainly we always invite you to, to reach out to me. Certainly I, I've, I've asked you to reach out to me personally if you, if you want, want to know what it, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So that again, you can have a life that's built on hope, uh, on true hope. Uh, not just a false hope that things will get better, that things will change, that we'll get it figured out. We won't get it figured out. We don't have the capacity to figure out life on our own. We'll muddle our way through it. Yeah, I understand that. That we'll, we'll, we'll find some way to navigate it. But it won't be in the manner that God wants us to live our life. As people who are rooted in the hope that's found in Jesus and him alone. He is our rock. He is our cornerstone. Would you take that step to trust in that today? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Hope is such a powerful thing. But it only accomplishes what it should if we hope in the right thing. And we know, God, that you invite us not to hope in a thing, but to hope in a person, to hope in you. Without you, there is no hope. Without your willingness to step into the mess, there would be no hope. Without your love, no hope. If you wouldn't provide for us salvation and secure that salvation uh, in, in your hand, that again, no hope. If you weren't coming for your people, God, if you weren't the King of kings and Lord of lords, if you weren't that coming King, Lord, again, no hope. But God, by faith, we believe. We thank you that you have revealed your truth to us. And I pray that, Lord, that everyone who might be watching this right now might place their faith and trust in you. That they might have hope which pervades and prevails even in times when things seem absolutely hopeless. We thank you, God, for making us people who are hopeful because of the gift of your son. We pray that you would, we would, you would continue to grow us in our faith, that our hope might be stronger and more real, more authentic, as we deepen our walk with you. 
It's in the name of the one who saves us. Jesus, our Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen.